Welcome to the True Talk Cafe podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you're here. Our podcast will tackle a myriad of topics ranging from relationships to personal development and everything in between. Today's show is all about mom versus career. The juggle is real. Yes, I said it. The juggle is real. This is sure to be a fascinating conversation, so please stay tuned. But before we dive in, let me introduce you to the pod crew. My name is Renee Stewart, and I'm joined by my co-host, Carla Decor. Hey, Carla. Hello, hello. Hello. And Lolly Ramirez-Bennett. Hi, Lolly. Hello, everyone. And our fellow potty, uh, Anna Garcia, she is on vacation and traveling back. So we say hello to her. All right. Collectively, we span four generations. Can you believe that? We've all experienced ups and downs in our personal lives and professional careers that have qualified us to share our unique perspectives with you, and we are excited to do so. But before we get into today's content, I wanted to let you know where you can find us on social media. On Instagram and Facebook, you can use at True Talk Cafe, and on Twitter, you can use True Talk Cafe 1. Don't forget to like us, rate us, and leave a review because we value your feedback. We want to ensure that we provide content that resonates with you. So please don't forget to to subscribe to our podcast on whatever platform you listen to your podcast. Spoiler alert, you want to stay tuned to hear what our guests have to say and to share their experiences with juggling motherhood and careers, but also stick around to find out how you can join us on a live show. So now let's go ahead and get started. All right. So I think we have experienced it in some way, form or fashion that mothers have to juggle a lot of things. And the pandemic kind of made things a little bit extra more difficult, uh, not only for those that have dependents and for mothers, whether you're single or have someone, but also um, the employers. So hopefully this conversation will help everyone. Um, so there has been a long-standing debate between working mothers and stay-at-home mothers. However, the pandemic did share a harsh light on the battle lines in the mommy wars, right? So like a lot of divisive cultural debates, the mommy wars began on a college campus. It was 1990 when Barbara Bush was invited to Wellesley College to speak at the school's commencement. This decision upset many students, prompting 150 of them to send a petition to the school's president, arguing that a stay-at-home mother, known largely for her husband's achievements, did not represent the kind of career woman that Wellesley encourages its students to become. This incident brought the growing tensions between mothers who stayed at home and those who worked into the national spotlight. During the pandemic, working moms found themselves in a sort of a challenge, having to merge the mom and sometimes wife duties with their work duties all under one roof. Don't we know a little bit about that, right? The struggle was real. However, it was then that we learned about work-life integration. Let's now fast forward to 2021. Working mothers are either willingly living jobs or are being forced out of extraordinary numbers. We hear it all over the place, whether it's news or just in conversation. Very few mothers have been able to manage work-life integration, or we've tried to. What is it is that is helping working moms feel more supportive to not quit the jobs and to exit the workforce at what some things that they are still needing, right? 
Is it that they need a supporting circle? Is it that they need some help from their employers? How can we help working moms to not leave the workforce and continue to grow their careers? So to add to this discussion, we have invited two phenomenal professional working moms who are not only leading in the workplace, but also leading by example at home. So let me introduce our two guests for today. First, we have Kristen Ainsworth. And Kristen Ainsworth is a professional equestrian athlete and the owner of head trainer of Blackstone Equestrian, a successful hunter-jumper boarding and training facility located in Parker, Texas. Snuggle on 14 acres just outside of Dallas. She lives on her farm with her husband and two daughters, Bridget and Brooklyn. Growing up in a big Italian family, Kristen learned from an early age that life takes a village filled with loads of support, valuing personal growth, and a passion for helping others. She lives life with an open-door policy and loves open-table discussion. And we also have Miss Melissa Vela. She is a vice president at J.P. Morgan Chase. She's a community manager in Texas with the community and business development. She is a local ambassador for Chase, whose job is to build and nurture relationships with key community leaders, nonprofit partners, and small businesses at the neighborhood level. Melissa hosts financial health workshops, facilitates nonprofit partnerships, and offers community programming. She is helping to advance racial equity by supporting Black and Latinx communities, with tools and resources to help them improve their financial well-being. With over 17 years of experience in the financial services industry, Melissa has held a number of positions within the retail bank. Prior to this role, Melissa served as a business development officer at BBBA. She is currently a member of Adelante and Women on the Move and serves on the Houston Livestock Show and Rodeo Go Tejano Committee. Go Rodeo. Melissa Vela currently lives in Pasadena, Texas, and spends her free time with her two daughters, husband, and a pug. And I must say that she is also expecting talk about really juggling different things. And she is always out of the community. So my head goes off to you. You do a lot. So let's just start talking a little bit about, you know, what are some of the challenges that we are seeing within the pandemic uh, as a working mom? Tell me a little bit, maybe let's start with you, Melissa. Tell me a little bit about remote learning with kids. How was that experience? That was a definitely interesting curveball, to say the least, right? During the pandemic, I actually had a kindergarten and a third grader, so elementary school, and we quickly had to learn how to juggle technology. And then also the work-life balance came into play because I was also learning how to navigate working from home during the pandemic. So it was a curveball, but I think the biggest piece here, a piece of advice that I could give is when you're in these new situations, communication is key. So I quickly had to learn how to communicate with my children and set up a system that worked for all of us. And like if we needed help or if we were like on do not disturb times because we were on camera speaking to either the class or with your employer on a meeting, we quickly had to set the rules, boundaries and the communication piece. But it was definitely interesting. And we're still learning how to navigate that today. I could say now we're a little bit more confident given the past two years, but we quickly had to pivot 
And it was interesting. It was stressful in the beginning, but I think once we got the communication down, things got better. Yeah, that was challenging indeed. I kind of made a sign that like, don't bother me right now. I'm in a meeting and <laughs> don't ask questions. <laughs> yeah. How about you, know, you Kristen? Oh, sorry, go ahead. What was interesting is that we opened up more of our personal life, like at work. It, Sometimes the girls would come into the to the room and I'd be on a Zoom meeting. And so my coworkers got to see my family. And so I think we had a little bit more compassion towards each other, too. That is true. My daughter became friends with my coworkers. <laughs> so that is true. She will come and just say hi and leave. Very true. How about you, Kristen? Do you want to share? How about your experience? Yeah, mine was pretty similar. We, I think we're a little bit more fortunate, you know, as you said, we're snuggled on our little slice of heaven, having a farm and living, you know, with a lot more space. It definitely humbled us quite a bit. And, you know, we utilized our blessing of, of having this space and opening it up to people that were comfortable coming over and, and, you know, really encouraging the community to struggle together. I liked what Melissa said about, you know, establishing healthy boundaries and and just being vulnerable with your family in general and explaining that, you know, verbalizing how you're struggling and, and why you're struggling. I think it opened up, you know, quite a bit so that we did become more, more human. And you know, it, it definitely ruffled some feathers with emotions and, and things like that. But, but it, it was hard with our girls. So I have a teenager and a pre-K kiddo. So built-in babysitter with a lot of years in between. And I think definitely with my teenager, that was really hard on her. You know, we're, I think human nature is built on connecting with people and, and the pandemic really took that connection away. So we really worked on establishing what good mental health is and, mm-hmm. and staying you know, setting healthy boundaries and like Melissa said, communication. And my four-year-old was running around crazy outside <laughs> on our farm. So that, that kind of, she kept herself busy, but, but yeah, it was, it was hard, but it was, I think it, it taught us a lot. So there's blessings right. in, in it. So. so tell me a little bit about how do you know when you need to reach out for help or advice, or maybe even just to to talk to someone who may be a mother who can sympathize with you, or maybe who can just give you some guidance. Because I know I've felt that sometimes I don't have the answers and I don't know if I'm doing the right thing as a mother, especially, right? You mentioned teenager and that's kind of like what came to mind. <laughs> like, how do you, what do you do when when you think this is the right thing to do but you just want to confirm with someone that you are doing the right thing, you know? You know, definitely having a village of support in general. And there's, you know, I, like you mentioned earlier, I come from a big old Italian family. So we, we celebrate the highs and we're there for each other in the lows, (laughs) whether you like it or not, but really just having it, you know, something I learned with the pandemic was establishing self-care and what that really looked like, you know, and, and defining that for me. And then also utilizing and finding your triggers. You know, when was I more moody? And when was I kind of becoming this person I felt like I I didn't want to be or, or kind of questioning mm-hmm. 
you know, why am I flustered? I have a, a best friend who I definitely would reach out to and, and her and I have kids around the same age. Our youngest are three days apart. So I think it's definitely easy to, to bounce things off of her, but you know, just finding that, that person outside of your family unit that takes care of you and, and it's easy to take care of them. I think establishing a healthy relationship with that and, and you'll always find that they will they'll validate your feelings and you have a mm-hmm. place to kind of brain dump what I call. So, so having, having a good friend definitely helps, but also the, yeah. the vulnerability to reach out and say, I, I'm struggling today. Girl, let me tell you what's going on. <laughs> like, yeah, do you, have, do you have wine? Can you come over? <laughs> I need a minute. <laughs> can, I, so, uh, can I go? Yeah. <laughs> can I come over to your house? Yeah. <laughs> right. Don't come here. I want yeah. to leave. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's true. What about you? Yeah, for sure. I think it's important for us to think through who are those people that we reach out to. And you should have a support group when it comes to mommy advice or career advice. And and when you're thinking about who are these people in my life that can help support and give advice for different situations that impact my life, you want to make sure that it's a diverse group. And I say that because sometimes having opinions or advice from perhaps maybe that somebody that doesn't know the entire uh, detail of whatever situation you have going on can give you different perspectives and and it's not tinted or favored one way or another. And so it's important to have different support groups, different people that can give you different advice. And then you take from that, you know, what you think is going to benefit you and your family. So I really do think as I'm thinking through the pandemic and, you know, what did I do? When did, how did I recognize when I needed help? It's definitely when I'm feeling uneasy, when you're in bed and everything is off and your mind is running a thousand miles per hour, thinking of your to-do list or how am I going to help solve this problem for my child or for my family, my household. So if something's keeping you up at night or you're feeling uneasy about it, reach out for help. It's, it's okay to have a conversation. And I love what Kristen said about recognizing your own triggers. And so sometimes we have to self-reflect on, you know, our own characteristics and, and what sets that off. And then who do we turn to for advice and, and try to have somebody that perhaps knows you, knows your family dynamic, but also somebody that doesn't. So they could give you a different perspective. That's true. I think the triggers really speak to me, like just knowing what is it when you're not feeling the positive self that you like to be. <laughs> and you know exactly that you're not being the best version of yourself to your kids. But what what about husband or significant others? What role do they play? To, oh boy, to what me, time? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. To me, I feel like if you have a significant other, then... Again, communication is so important to have with them because I think it starts first having open communication with ourselves and being honest and true to ourselves and, you know, our needs and our wants, our triggers, and then communicate. That's our responsibility to communicate that to our spouse, our partner, our significant other, so that they can help. Because when you 
keep things to yourself. It's like you're digging a hole in your mind and it's getting deeper and deeper. And then if you vocalize it out loud, sometimes you realize it's not that bad or it's not that big of an issue. So vocalizing it gives it some kind of power. And then sharing that with your partner can help alleviate some of that stress. And then you guys can come up with a strategy or to tackle, you know, certain situations. But I think it's so important for, first of all, us to recognize what's going on and be true and giving it a voice and then sharing with our partner. Kristen, anything you want to add? Oh boy. Yes. I recently read a book by Brene Brown that was called Braving the Wilderness. And the one thing that I loved that she mentioned was just what the acronym BRAVING stands for. And that's boundaries, reliability, accountability, vault, integrity, non-judgmental, and generosity. And I think when it comes to you know establishing and, and maintaining trust with your husband, you know, you you want to be able to ensure that all of those items are are being maintained and, and kept up with. Something that my husband and I recently established actually was the, we had a conversation where we asked each other, what are the top three things that you desperately need every single day in order to feel fulfilled in our, you know, in the marriage. And mine, my three things were spend five minutes with me every day after the kids go to bed, just good quality five minute time, like out on the patio or or wherever, mm-hmm. asking me what I struggled with that day, I felt like that kind of opened up a, a safe space for me to become vulnerable and, and tell him, you know, what I struggled with, but also kind of help him just give ears and not necessarily, you know, my man, I got to fix it. And then the uh, asking what I struggled with the so five minutes and then at night, just when we're going to bed, just, I'd like to sneak my feet like under his leg and just feel, feel him next to me. That that's really important. And so, and he, you know, gave me his three and, and I re I found that Dr. Sue Johnson read one of her books too, that, that talks about, you know, finding out the triggers and what, what turns you in to jumping on the crazy cycle. And this past week, I didn't have my five minutes every day with him. And, and that kind of made me pretty snippety <laughs> a couple of days ago. So we were able to kind of take a step back and be like, what, you know, what's going on? I, I don't like, mm-hmm. you know, getting, feeling like this and just not, not being, you know, comfortable or, or whatever. And, and so we were able to trace it back to like, well, I haven't, my needs haven't been met, you know? Mm-hmm. So establishing just the basic top three needs are, are, are huge. And, And on top of that, on kind of the flip side, figuring out what your emotional fear is. You know, I think men have, well, as women and and working moms have so many hats to wear. I think men are still kind of put on this aspect of, you know, they're not really allowed to feel emotions and Mm -hmm. and have a, a deeper feeling. And so I think in order for us to be able to connect on that level, there has to be balance and and you know, vulnerability on both sides. And that, that helps my husband and I keep our emotional connection, which I think definitely establishes a solid foundation for us. So it's, it's a daily struggle though. 
but you've given us so many jewels. I love it. I, oh. and I am definitely going to borrow that because I think it's important to just communicate. I think oftentimes as a couple, as a mother, we are just trying to catch up to, you know, I didn't do this for the kids. I didn't uh, do dinner. Oh, I need to think about tomorrow and their uniforms and they're going to have for lunch that we forget to just take a minute, stop and ask our significant other, what can I do better to be a better partner? And how can you help me be a better partner? Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that will go a long way for our mental health. And I think we don't, we don't do that enough. One, uh, a friend of mine one time told me the the most important decision that you will make in your life, it will be the person that you marry. And that is so true because that person can really help you excel and become the best version of yourself and be happy, live a fulfilling life, whatever it is that you are fulfilled and happy. But if you don't have that support from the person that you marry to make you feel that even though you may be lacking in some areas that you're still contributing, whether it is to, to the family or to your kids growth, then you're not going to feel that you're winning at anything, right? You're going to feel guilty. You're going to feel like you have to choose between career and kids and family. And I know it's hard, but I don't think we should choose. <laughs> we shouldn't have to choose between those things, right? What about mental health? I know you share a little bit about what you do, kind of help you stay grounded. Melissa, anything that you want to share on what you do to to help with your mental health and self-care? Yeah. Any anybody that's a friend of mine and it has been in my circle and that comes to me for advice or vice versa. When we're going through situations, I always break it down to just two questions and it's are you at peace and are you happy? And that's what it boils down to. So as we're thinking about mental health, you know, it's important for us to envision what, what does that life look like where I am living my best life? I am at peace. And this is like the dream and who's in that life uh, vision with me who's in that vision and my partner my family and so thinking through that and I think again the pandemic really helped shed a lot of things down for us and just made us realize the basic necessities that we needed to be okay and for mental health I, I always you know try to keep things basic what is it that makes me happy what is it that's going to make me peaceful for me personally, I have to be close to my faith. I have to be close to my family. And Kristen said earlier, she comes from a big Italian family. I come from the huge Mexican family. <laughs> and um, pre-pandemic, it was like everybody gets together at my grandpa's house, 30 people under one roof, and we're all eating and just enjoying each other's company. And during the pandemic, we didn't have that. And I realized how much peace that that would bring me. And so realizing what what is it that that makes you happy and peaceful, and then staying close to that, like, again, minus faith, family, and then a little bit of me time. And I have found it for my mental health to, for me to be you know, doing well at home and in my career, I have to schedule me time. And I didn't always prioritize that. But if we don't take care of ourselves first, then we're not functioning 100% to be able to take care of the family, to be able to do well and excel at, at work. So 
I literally put it in the calendar. And if I know I'm having a busy or crazy week or a big project coming up, then I know I have to take a day or two off to regroup so that I can keep going because it's impossible to be going 100 miles per hour, you know, all the time. You have to know when to rest and recharge. And, and that me time looks, it looks different. Sometimes it's just me being by myself, getting my nails done or walking around the mall. Sometimes it's going for a drive. Sometimes it does include my family, but figuring out what makes me happy, what brings me peace, putting it on the calendar and prioritizing it. Like nothing else can be added onto that time because I have to respect that because that way I'm respecting myself. That's true. Sometimes I go to Walgreens. <laughs> That's what I mean. Yeah. I think I walk to Walgreens. It's just peaceful. I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's whatever it takes. About single moms. You know, one of my best friends is a single mom. And I feel bad because I complain about, you know, you know how much things I have going on and how many things I have to handle. And I'm so busy and overwhelmed. But then I think about her and she doesn't have a support. Like her family... They are all in another state. She's in another state. She's not even close to me. She's in New Orleans. She's she's not married. She doesn't have a significant other. So, I, you know, I, my mo- mother lives with me. I have a husband and it's still, it's still hard for me. So I can only imagine for her. What can we tell single moms that, how, what can they do to, to find that time to, to do self-care? I think. Oh, Kristen, go ahead. Take this one. Yeah, no, it's a, <laughs> I was I was just gonna jump in because so my fourteen year old she has a different father than than my four year old, so I've been privy to a short term of being a single mom, and you know I think there's well I wish there was a very easy simple answer. I think so much of it has to do with you know so many circumstances and and situations that you know, it's a case by case scenario. For me, I try to encourage single moms with my business and a lot of my clients, there's a few of them that that are single moms as well. And and so I really try to extend the hand on encouraging and supporting more from like a an empowering stance of being a positive role model and coaching of mental health, of personal boundaries, of financial education, of just allowing time to, you know, some of the the kids coming over here and hanging out with, with my kids. You had mentioned that different States kind of create a different barrier, but really just a lot of times we just need to hear something that, that promotes us to be able to, to do what we need to for ourselves. And and single moms are, are strong moms. Cause I was like, I'm not made for this. (laughs) I I need a significant other. (laughs) I, I'm not, you know, more, more power to them. And, and they, they wear a super cape because they're definitely able to have, you know, so many roles and be able to do so many things. And, and I think that, promotes even more positive traits on their strengths. So it's, you know, just helping them with their weaknesses, but again, being vulnerable to open up (laughs) about those. So 
yeah, yeah that's a hard one i don't and asking for help maybe too right like yeah. knowing when yes. you need to ask for help yeah Anything else you want to add melissa I would just say to give yourself being a single and a single mother is hard. Being a mother is hard by itself, but being single and not having that, that support from your spouse, you know, it can make things a lot, feel a lot heavier. So I would just say, give yourself grace, find a support group, find a support system. And I would say, be comfortable in finding your voice and using it and using it when you need help. And then also using it to celebrate your wins, because I think that's something that we don't often do as mothers. And this is a hard job and and we tackle a lot. And I feel like as women, sometimes we don't give ourselves enough credit and we stay quiet because we want to make it seem like we can handle everything. And, and so I think it's important for us to give ourselves grace, use our voice when we need help. And when we're doing good, don't be shy, like celebrate yourself. You should be the first one. And, and there's nothing wrong with celebrating yourself. It's not about being arrogant or anything like that. It's like recognizing that you've done hard work and that you made it. And so you want to give yourself that that recognition and that celebration. And I think we should do that more often. That is so true. Over the weekend, I I heard a commencement speech by Shonda Rhimes. You may all before. And she's a single mother of three. And she talked about how she has uh, a place named after her, Shondaland, right? If you don't know her, she's the, the writer of Scandal and Grace Anatomy and, and different, different very popular TV shows. And she talked about, you know, people always ask me, what is it that I do? How do I handle it all? How, do, how, how is it that I'm able to do it all? And she's the simple answer is I don't. It's impossible for me to say that I do it all. If I'm writing a great script, I am probably missing my daughter's first swim lesson. If, I, if I'm succeeding in one area, I am probably lacking in another. And that is okay. And I think as mothers, we need to learn to understand that it's okay to not be great at everything that we do all the time. That sometimes we may not be able to give 100% to something because we're being great in another area. But we can come back and, and kind of shift things around because we are creating futures where women are CEOs, where women are leaders, where women own their own business, like Kristen, right? Where we are really being VPs. Of, of different places where we are doctors, where we are leading big corporations. We are doing those things and some sacrifices will have to be made. But in order to do that, we have to first understand that it's okay to not do those things. And we understand that the sacrifice is leading our next generation, whether there are young women who are our daughters that are seeing us succeed and are seeing us a struggle, whether it's a single mother or just, you know, with family and everything, but having to handle everything, but also for the men to see that it's okay for a woman to be a mother and to be a vice president, for a, that men see that that is okay. So we can break the, the labels, we can break the barriers where women have to stay home and hopefully eventually we'll begin to change a lot of those patterns. One of my other friends talked about how they have muffins with moms at school this past weekend, this past week because of Mother's Day, right? But, you know, the, the funny thing about it is that it was at seven o'clock and it was not really open for 
working moms because if you have to work, you can't stay for muffins. So it was very much catered to stay-at-home moms. So what about the working mom that also wants to participate in something special? So my feedback to her was just create your own. She felt a little bad because all the mothers were playing or posting photos about going to muffins with mom with their kids, and she couldn't because she had to be at work. Um, and I said, just create your own, and your kid will understand that you may not be able to participate in some things because it's not gear for working moms, and that's okay. We'll just create our own, right? But think together, we can make a little bit of a difference. So let me just add a couple of things, and then we'll ask questions from our podcasters. I'm just There's some surveys that, that, that have been created about working moms, and they talk about sleep deprivation. And so the survey was done to, it was done by uh, the University of San Francisco, Berkeley, UCLA, and North Beach. It talked about the fewer than one quarter of the working mom surveys say they rec get recommended on uh, average night sleep of seven to nine hours. I know most of the times I don't, right? Over half of the moms that were surveyed, 53% said they get fewer than six hours. One in six say they don't even get five hours, and 19% of moms wake up much earlier each day in order to get work done. 19% of them said that they stay awake much later for the same reason, and 50% of them say they do both, they wake up early and go to sleep late. Women from minority groups were between one to one and a half, I'm sorry, one and a half to two times likelier to report getting less sleep. So sleep deprivation is a thing, right? And I think we need to find better ways to find work-life balance. We also see a lot of women that are seeing workplace discrimination, and it's typically because of juggling work duties and um, childcare. And I know actually one of my first jobs when I was in the interview, they asked me if I had someone to take care of my kid. They can't do that, but they did ask me that, which is horrible. So with that, let's bring in our podcasters and see if they have any questions that they want to ask our special guests today. So Renee, do you have any questions for them? Well, what do you guys think or have you experienced or know someone at your job or one of your direct reports or clients that have experienced any type of discrimination in the workplace? I can take that one. I can okay. tell you right off the bat, I have had discrimination against me personally. I remember this was like a decade, way long ago, more than a decade ago, but When I was pregnant with my first child, one of my managers said, you better not be acting nauseous around here. Have your Sprite and crackers ready because we're not going home because you're feeling sick. And that was, I mean, I was earlier on in my career, so that was shocking. But at the time, I felt like I had no choice and I didn't have the anywhere else to go. So I, I took that kind of discrimination. And even for interviews, I've been asked as I'm, I've interviewed in the past, are you married? Do you have children? What schools do they go to? And that is not allowed either. And so I think with that, it's all about us finding our voice. I think at that point in my career and in my life, I wasn't confident in using my voice. And many years later, now I am. And so I would say that the most important thing when you, when you face situations like that is to defend yourself and be unapologetic if you are a mother 
or if you do have to balance the work life, because that's normal. Many women go through that and you shouldn't have to apologize or sacrifice anything. And if you're not getting that type of support in your current workplace, then that's not the workplace for you. And so we need to pivot and pivot quickly. There is no reason for one to tolerate any kind of behavior that's even remotely close to that. So if you are a mom and and you need to leave early because you want to do an activity with your kid, you should be able to do that. And, and just voicing that and saying, hey, this is important to me, the right manager, the right work uh, environment will want you to participate in those things because they know and realize what an asset you are. And when we respect and honor those kind of things, the employees thrive even more. And the loyalty becomes even stronger. So if if you're in a situation where that's not happening, it's time to go. Let's reach out to our networks and find something else. But but that shouldn't be something that you have to sacrifice. Right. Thank you for that. We know there's a great resignation going on, right? And there's a huge percentage. I think our last podcast, we talked about the great resignation for, and what was that percentage like was it 38% or something like that? I so. It was, it was up there and, you know, women are just like, Hey, I'm not taking this. Uh, I got to go take care of my family and, you know, just saying, Hey, I'm out. And a lot of them are starting their own businesses mm-hmm. or they're just saying, I need to take care of my family. I'll get back to my career later, or they're just creating their own business. So with that being said, Kristen, you have your own business. So how does that show up for you or have, how has that, what has your been, your experience been like in that space? Oh gosh. The, so I started with my horse business. I actually came from the corporate world where I felt like I was trapped in, you know, in in walls and my dynamic was a little bit different. It was a very successful family business where, you know, the Italian family, we do everything together. But being able to to step away and and you know, trusting as a, a woman, trusting my ability and trusting my my independence, but knowing I I had a village to to lean on. You know, having my my farm business with our clients and our horses. I mean, we do everything from teaching kiddos how to ride from the very beginning to having client horses that go and compete all over. And we kind of have a a joke, so to say, welcome to the circus (laughs) because they, my clients, I'm very transparent with them and, and they know that i I don't do everything. I can't do everything. We weigh heavy on, on our village of people and just having that support. And, and our motto is progress, not perfection. You know, so we really establish a, just the fundamental value of becoming just a better human on the daily and, and working towards becoming just more knowledgeable on, on self-improvement and self-care. I mean, everything from you know, teaching these girls what it means to have positive mental health and, but having, having the space here for, for being business owner, it definitely was a big step out of, of corporate, corporate America, but we, we have our circus in our village and, and that's really what it takes. Cause 
there's no way I could do all this by myself. Yeah. Um, Let me just ask a follow-up question. Would you be in a business owner? And I know that your daughter had an accident. How, how did you lean on your village? How did that affect your clients? Because you had the focus on Brooklyn. I did. So my four-year-old last May 19th, she was involved in a horse accident. And the, the same day, about an hour before that, one of my lead trainers was at a, she was out of town, out of the state. And so I was teaching her lessons. My husband got in a motorcycle accident. I just sent him up to the hospital to get an x-ray. And my youngest was with one of my clients who is one of my very dear friends. We had moved a cabinet of stuff from one location to another. And, and you know, good old babies are very habitual. And if anything gets disrupted, it kind of, they lose their, their train of thought. And I was in the middle of our arena teaching a lesson and my daughter ended up walking into it because she saw me and she ended up getting hit by a horse, which landed us in the ICU and opened cracked skull from top to bottom and shattered eye socket. We, if it was one millimeter off, we would have lost her. So the, I, I never wanted to know how, how big my village was, but it, it definitely validates when you know you're in a good place and a place you're meant to be with people that you're supposed to be surrounded by. I was able to take off for six weeks, no questions asked. I mean, we had one of my friends had set up a meal train and and we were fully 100% taken care of for for 6 weeks and and it was women from you know CEOs of some companies and stay-at-home moms from other other areas of of the Dallas Fort Worth location and and just seeing everybody come through that was incredibly powerful and so and for my oldest to be able to watch that and and see how being a mom, having this business, being able to have key people and surrounded by good people, you know, what exactly that means beyond the workplace. So that, yeah, that, that was a a hard one, but, you know, also understanding just how emotional cycles work. And, you know, I recently started going to counseling, which I've done years and years ago. And it wasn't because of my daughter's accident or anything. It was because I, I got to a point where I tell my husband, like, I can't answer that. My brain is full. <laughs> He's like the number of tiny times you tell me your brain is full. And I'm like, it literally is like, I can't even, answer, I don't even know. So just and my best friend is she's kind of at a high level with a very big worldwide company. And we talk a lot about emotional burnout just in the workplace in general and an emotional exhaustion and and what that does look like. And, and just being able to, you know, I think as a mom with a full-time job, I see so many of us with such a high ability of compartmentalizing, like on a professional level, it overflows somewhere or another. And I love what Melissa said about scheduling and self-time because I'm definitely going to use that because I, I know I need it, but I, I don't ever hold myself to it. So thing, things like that and having somebody to talk to and, and having just a good village of people is, is what it takes because we can't do it all. How's your daughter doing? Is she better? 
Oh, thank you for asking. She is doing fantastic. She ended up with a traumatic brain injury of her frontal lobe. And I, I have a passion for medicine anyway. So I was, I was very intrigued by all of it and able to kind of process it with her and, and set healthy boundaries and seeing her just kind of work through everything from a child's perspective. And, you know, you add the pandemic, like, like we all talked about earlier about how that really takes you down to the bare essentials of knowing what you need. And then going through my daughter's accident last summer, it, it really, that defined, you know, who you need and, and putting it all together and establishing, you know, just what life is all about and, and knowing what's important. It was very interesting. We're almost at the year mark. And in fact, moms and muffins, when you brought that up, the we had moms and muffins and you know, of course I walk in, what about moms and mimosas? <laughs> oh, I like that better. Let's keep it. Let's, yeah. <laughs> like this this is strong. Like I we had to change schedules to get here. No, I'm just joking. The uh but my daughter had made a little necklace that had her little thumbprints and clay. She had made a little heart necklace and and I walk in there and you know, it's the first thing she handed me and it came with a little tag and you know, my tiny little fingers made this heart and, and I just, I lost it. So I'm standing in the middle oh of her moms and muffins and I'm just like bawling. And my best friend who, who had, she's been with me with everything. She's like, Oh my gosh, stop. You're going to make me cry. She's like, wait, why are you even crying? Like, you're not this sentimental. <laughs> and I was like, I know. And I told her, I said, this is the last kind of holiday before her accident. And, you know, we, got really close to having it completely change our lives and, and not have her with us. And so I just, I sat there and bawled and, you know, but again, having been able to be in a vulnerable position where all the other moms came in, you know, then we all start crying. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm so sorry. And they're like, no, I love it. You know, it just, it makes little moments like that a little bit sweeter, but it's, it's good. It's, just always a learning process. <laughs> it is. So. That's true. Yeah. Well, thank you so much uh, to both of you for, for sharing and being vulnerable today. I know that some of our listeners um, will learn a little bit that they can add to their toolbox and hopefully take on. And I'll say, you know, if you want to, if you want to um, inspire other women to do better, just lead by example. If you want a more flexible work environment and you have the opportunity to to lead a team, then you offer that flexibility to work in moms and work that's too. We are inclusive. Dads and moms need to be with their kids just as much. I often bring my kids around so they can see that it's okay for the kids to be around. I bring them to work. I like to share, you know, pictures of them. We want to make sure that people understand that we all have families and it's okay too. So thank you. Thank you all so much for everything that you shared today. I hope that you both have a great Mother's Day and everyone that's listening, have a happy, happy Mother's Day. And thank you for listening. So with that, I'll turn it over to Miss Lolly. All right. So what a great show. I mean, you guys shared some really powerful information and resources and different stress management techniques and just, you know, some real drops of wisdom for other mothers. And, you know, how can people reach you? What are your, you know, social media platforms that you're on? Melissa, do you want to share first? I think you can find me on LinkedIn, Melissa Vela. That would be the best avenue to contact me. I'm happy to help provide any advice in any way that I can help. So thank you. 
Okay. Thank you for that. And Kristen, where can we find you? You can find me on Instagram at Chris Ainsworth or my business, Blackstone Equestrian. And for those interested in my daughter's accident, you can follow her at Booking It, Booking It Ainsworth, I think. she. Her name is Brooklyn, but she's always booking it. So, so Booking It Ainsworth is, is her Instagram account. Okay, great. And, and we will make sure that we provide that information in our show notes as well. So, you know, if anybody, any of our listeners want to reach out to you, we will have your handles all ready for those guys as well. Okay. So, I mean, I'm just so excited about the show. I don't want it to end, but we have to end the episode at some point, right? <laughs> We're just so, you know, section two. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> So as promised, you know, here's how you can join us as a uh, audience member on our next show episode, um, which we hope that you do. You can go to True Talk Cafe Facebook page and send us a request to attend episode nine as an audience member. Be sure to use the hashtag TTCEP9. Okay. And then we will respond when we receive the request with the podcast website link where you'll need to enter your preferred email address for us to send you the audience link. Okay. We'll also send all audience members a reminder the day before the show recording. So it's going to be so much fun to have you join us live. So please go ahead and head on over to the uh, Facebook page for us. As always, we welcome your feedback. So please let us know your thoughts about today's show. Leave a comment or review, but please be nice. We love to hear your thoughts about today's topic. Please do not forget to like and rate the episode. We appreciate you tuning into our podcast, and we hope that you join the TTC Crew Facebook page. Okay, come on over, join us. We put a lot of tidbits up there, a lot of good advice up there from our episodes. Again, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook using at True Talk Cafe. And then you can find us on Twitter using True Talk Cafe 1. You want to use the hashtag TTC Talks or True Talk Tuesdays. Recommendations for discussion topics are always welcome because we want to ensure we're providing the content that is of value to you. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button so that you can follow us, okay? So once again, thanks for listening, and we hope you join us on our next podcast episode. It's sure to be an engaging conversation. Thank you to Melissa Vela and Kristen Ainsworth. We are truly appreciative for the time that you spent with us today and the wisdom that you've shared. So everybody, we'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Bye, Thank everyone. You. Thanks for joining. <laughs>